All right, Pastor Trevor told me I had to be short this week. I'm short every week. The sermons aren't, but <laughs> uh, I knew what he meant. So uh, this will be more of a homily than a, than a sermon in that sense. Uh, we're in the season of the cross, and our liturgy turns to the themes of Lent, and particularly the cross. And many of us dawn a cross during this time. So I wanted to address the hymns of the cross uh, that we sing during this time of year. Before we do that, I want to remind us that uh, we don't worship the cross. I'm always reminded, Jesus said, if I be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, I will draw all men to me. Uh, the issue was Jesus, the issue wasn't the cross. Uh, that emblem of the serpent on the, on the pole that they looked at and were healed, the Israelites began to burn incense to it, and it had to be destroyed. They turned what was a symbol into an idol, and we don't want to do that. It is for us a symbol, but it is a symbol of our faith and a focus of several hymn right, hymns that have been written. Today I want to do the old rugged cross, and I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. One of the most uh, loved hymns is the old rugged cross. If you look at lists of favorite hymns, it's usually in the top ten um, of those. It um, was written by a Methodist, George Bernard, in 1913. So it's just over a hundred years old. Um, he had been preaching some evangelistic services. He was trying to write the poem and write the music. And he was having trouble with it. He went and ministered some more. And after he got finished with some of those services and seeing the Lord work and the, the message of the cross, he came back and, and wrote that. And so within a couple of years, it entered into hymnals um, in various churches. So I want to look at the words. I want to talk just briefly about it. Um, and I want to, you, you probably have your own thoughts about lyrics when you, when you sing them or when you uh, read them. I just want to tie that together. So it begins, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Those, those famous words um, of that old rugged cross, this thing that happened so long ago, uh, becomes the focus now for this hymn. And he calls it the emblem of suffering and shame. Really, I talked about this last week, that it, it's, a, it's not an instrument of love. It, it is for us, but its, its actual function is torture and humiliation. But he goes on to say, and I love that old cross where the dearest and best. I love that phrase. He doesn't just say where Jesus. He could have said Christ Jesus our Lord. He could, the, the, the phrasing would have been there. But the dearest and best. The Son of God. For a world of lost sinners was slain. I like this first verse. It's more universal. Not universal salvation. But 1 John chapter 2. Verse 2 says. That Jesus died as a propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only. But for the whole world. And so he, 
he brings this broad message of the cross in this first verse. The rest of the verses begin to show some different uh, symbols. Oh, the, that old rugged cross so despised by the world. We talked about this last week. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's a, it's a ridiculous idea that someone could die on a cross and we can find salvation, except it's true. And he says, it has a wondrous attraction for me. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up singing all the verses in hymns. Usually the third one is dropped out, sometimes the second one. But this verse has always resonated with me because there is something in those of us who believe about the cross, however we see it, that has this fascination of what happened at Calvary and what happened in that context. So he says, he's really talking now about the eyes of faith that see more than just a cross. They see the actions of God and the, uh, the coming of the Lord in that context. He says, for the dear Lamb of God left His glory above. Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he says, Left his glory above. Well, in our hymnal, you'll see Philippians chapter 2 tied to this verse. And that's exactly uh, what's going on there. I want to just look at verses 5 to 7. I'm not going to all the biblical text because I'm trying to keep it short, right? Philippians 2, 5 to 7. It says, have this attitude in yourselves who was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He wasn't demonstrating that. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. And for this reason, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Interesting. He doesn't have the name that is above every name because of who he was, but because of who he became. He left his glory above to bear it on dark Calvary. It's interesting because Calvary also becomes a term in our faith. Many churches named Calvary Baptist Church or something like that. Because that place where the cross stood becomes significant. And that will be more important in the the second hymn, I believe, in a hill called Mount Calvary. Third verse, in that old rugged cross stained with blood so, so divine... He brings in the atonement. He brings in the idea of the covenant. He brings in the idea of, the, of blood. But not just blood. The blood of the Son of God. 
blood so divine. A wondrous beauty I see. Again, this shedding of blood isn't beautiful if you're only focused on death. But if you're focused on atonement, it makes a lot of sense. That eye of faith is in there. He says, "'Twas on the old cross, Jesus suffered and died." He's addressing this vicarious atonement, this substitutional death. And then in this verse, he goes from the general to the specific. To pardon and sanctify me. I read about his uh, writing these words and he he said that uh, he was struggling with it because as he imagined the crucifixion in his mind and saw what was going on there. He was trying to find the words that that connected there. Um, I think I know a little bit of what he was talking about because I was in a communion service uh, when Linda and I were engaged. And uh, it was at the Foursquare Church. And in that process, I don't know if I saw this in my mind's eye or if I... I don't know what it was, but I saw the Lord crucified. Uh, and I, I, I saw the nails, and the nails were my sins holding him there. And I went to talk, and out of my mouth came a spear and pierced his side. So I went home and wrote a song about the crucifixion. The chorus is, the, the one in the middle died there for me. It was my sin and my guilt that held him to the tree. The one in the middle died there for me. The cross in the middle was meant for me. But since he bore it, I'll live eternally. I really get that sense that we come to a personal faith in the Lord. A personal understanding. We all come to the foot of the cross as individuals in that context. Out of that we receive pardon and out of that we receive holiness, sanctification. So, verse 4, to that old rugged cross I will ever be true. Not to the cross, but to the message of the cross and to the one who bore it. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. This identification with Jesus as Lord is an important thing. I have a, I have a, a memory that haunts me. Um, we had a drummer in one of our music groups and we had just released an album and... Uh, that was done with the high school. And Dennis uh, opened up the glove box in my car and he found a Bible. I had a Bible in there. And he said, what's this? And I said, well, you know, it's my dad's car. You know, just, I just blew it off. A week later, Dennis was killed in a motorcycle accident. And uh, when the album came out, I saw a picture, and he's looking at me. And because of the sun, I've got my eyes closed. 
don't want to miss an opportunity to share with people when it's handed to you, right? It's shame and reproach, gladly bear. They'll call me someday to my home far away. I love that. Uh, it, it rhymes real good, but one of the things you'll notice about all of the cross uh, hymns, they don't have much of an eschatology. There's death, and then there's, like, eternity, right? Nothing about the kingdom, nothing about uh, the, the second coming, nothing about the new heaven, new earth. It's just, it's out there, right? To my home far away. Where his glory forever I'll share. We talked about that again in Romans chapter 8. Where Paul says, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. And I am convinced that the sufferings of this life cannot compare to the glory that shall be revealed. So then at the end of each verse, we sing that. We sing that chorus. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. All that it means. Death, burial, and resurrection. Till my trophies at last I lay down. That interesting verse. People have tried to tell me that this verse is talking about all the things that you've, you've uh, accomplished and you've got trophies for. That's not what this old word is about. It's the, about the idea of laying down your labors, laying down your work. In other words, this is a reference to death. I'll cherish the cross until I die. I will cling to the old rugged cross. I'm not just cherishing, I'm hanging on to it. There's an endurance to the end of faith that continues to go. And exchange it someday for a crown. There is the glory that is going to be shared. And the crown of life that Paul says is for those who wait for him. I don't know how much that uh, song matters to you, but I, I love the old rugged cross. That, that song is one of my favorites. And I can't sing that old rugged cross without having another song that comes through my head. And that's, there's a hill, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. Now that one's written by William Gaither, Dale Oldham, not to be confused with Doug Oldham, and uh, Gloria Gaither in 1968. So this song was written at the time of the movie that we're going to see later today. Right at the onset of the Jesus movement. And of course it made it into our hymnal. So not, not a lot of the songs from that time made it into the hymnals. So, the words. There are things as we travel this earth shifting sand. This idea of this world is not our home. This is a temporal place for us. That transcend all the reason of man. Paul says the eternal things, the things of the Spirit, are spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't get them. But the things that matter the most in this world are, can never be held in our hands. They're not material things. They're the spiritual things. They're the things that are revealed. He says, I believe that the Christ who was slain on the cross... Now, when he says slain on the cross, of course, he's including the burial and the resurrection and the ascension. Has the power to change lives today. Um, I was talking to the musicians before last week. 
I had a song two weeks ago. I had a song that wouldn't leave me alone. The blood will never lose its power. You may know that song. Uh, it just kept going through my head and through my head. This con- this salvation now is the day of salvation. It continues even now. And he says it has the power to change lives today. It's always providing grace. For he changed me completely. A new life is mine. There's this testimony going on here of the new creation. All who are in Christ are new creation. And that's why by the cross I will stay. God is in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And what he began, he will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. Last verse there is, I believe that this life with its great mysteries, we think we know so much, but we don't know much about this life, right? Surely someday we'll come to an end. There's that death is certain aspect that's in many of the great hymns. But faith will conquer the darkness and death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And will lead me at last to my friend. Interesting. Older hymns don't use the idea of Jesus as a friend much. We have, what a friend we have in Jesus. But in most cases, that's not. But in the 60s, that became a focus. That there was an actual relationship with Jesus, not just what he did for us. And of course, that ties in to John chapter 15. Verses 13 and 15, after he said, My commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer will I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. This idea of friendship with the Lord, who was made like one of us. He's our elder brother and he is our friend. I think needs to be appreciated. Not in the sense that Jesus is my good buddy and we hang out together. But that idea that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the Lord really, really is that for us. And I love the chorus of this one. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. That death, burial, and resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. And I'll believe whatever the cost. I'll take the shame. I'll take the loss. I'll take the reproach. And when time has surrendered and the earth is no more. There's that eschatology again. This earth is passing away. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth, a new resurrection. I mean a new Jerusalem. Uh... I'll still cling to the old rugged cross. Little difference from I'll exchange it someday for a crown. I'll still cling to that. Because that will be the testimony of my salvation for all eternity. As he bears the scars in his body for eternity, we bear the grace of what his scars provided for all eternity. So, just some quick thoughts and I'll shut up. Neither of these hymns are direct praise or direct worship of God. What they really are are confessions and creedal statements. The old rugged cross is a vow of allegiance. 
to the Lord who died for us. And as such, it's really a profession of faith and a confession that Jesus is Lord. If you really look at the words, that's what's going on there. And it makes sense that coming out of evangelistic meetings, that would be the theme of what's there. The other one, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary, is the essence of a creed. The word creed comes from the Latin credo, which translates, I believe. It's used in the Apostles' Creed. It's used in the Nicene Creed. It's used in the principles of Judaism that we use in our liturgy. I believe with a perfect faith, right? I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I'll continue to believe, whatever the cost. And when time is surrendered and this life is done, I'll still cling to the old rugged cross. So in addition to this, they are testimonies. And the message of the cross, though it may be foolish and stupid to some, and is receiving a stronger reaction, we need to bear that reproach. And so my last verse is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, not the cross, on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We also cling to the cross, bearing the reproach for the joy and the glory that is set before us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these songs. We thank you for the writers who took the time to draw from not only their experience, but the scriptures. That we might sing these things as vows and as confessions in our worship and adoration of you. Let us be mindful always of the cross, particularly at this season, but always until we finally lay down our trophies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.